You are listening to Oblivion. It is December 5th, 2022. Well, David, the greatest pro-union president of all time has really come (laughs) through for the workers. I mean, we were just, what a joke, man. I mean, we were just talking about this, (laughs) like last week and probably most other weeks about Biden, how he felt that the rhetoric about how that, you know, he's the uh, FDR of our generation and uh, the complete most... Complete farce. Yeah, is a complete farce. And he, he, he showed That's us, phony. man. He showed us, man. He showed us uh, that we were right all along. Yeah. And... Uh, well, it's the latest uh, abandonment of the working class by the Democrats and it's uh, it's the latest example of how uh, the Democrats have jettisoned the working class from their constituency and I think you mentioned Ralph Nader and dialing for the same dollars that the Democrats are simply in competition to represent the same people as the Republicans, thus making it rather pointless to have uh, two parties if they represent the same people and the same interests. And as I've said, the only real difference is appearance and personality. And that was reinforced by beating to death yet again the term historic by the Biden administration with the announcement of, I can't even remember his his name, but the historic appointment of the first black person to lead a major party in Congress, taking over as the uh, leader of the House uh, Democrats. He's He's from New York. Do you happen to remember the guy's name yeah i'll look i'll look him up but yeah yeah and i want to say maybe it's jeffries like hockey yeah that sounds yeah that sounds right yeah yeah um, so back to the yeah so strike what's so uh, sickening uh, or the uh, the rail strike that wasn't (laughs) is it's one thing to say we we don't want the rails to shut down I don't think that that's in and of itself unreasonable, but there was nothing to stop um, uh, Biden or Buttigieg, another historic uh, appointment, the first gay uh, secretary of uh, transportation, from advocating for the workers. In other words, the approach could have been we definitely don't want to strike. We know it'll do economic damage, especially with the holidays uh, coming up. Uh, so why don't you just give these people their seven paid sick days right. instead of acting like that was absolutely impossible, <laughs> that that is what would have caused the economy to collapse. Like, well, the, the the economy will fall apart because these rail companies have to pay the workers for uh, seven days of paid sick leave. That's the only thing that's in between 
the entire economy functioning and uh, falling apart. Meanwhile, there's another $800 billion military budget. Billions are going to Ukraine uh, to fight a war that if the Russians can just manage to grind through the winter is likely just to go on for, I don't know, 20 years. (laughs) I don't know why that particular number. Oh, that was the (laughs) Afghanistan war. Hey, we got to have a new one. We got to have a new one. Well, right, and like I've, I've said, the pattern that I see on the wars is you've got a, a Cold War that goes up until 1989 with the fall of the Berlin Wall. By January of 91, you have the Persian Gulf War, and that is essentially the beginning of a protracted, a protracted war against the Middle East that culminates with a 20-year war in Afghanistan that both parties knew we could not win. That ends in uh, August of 2021. And in February of 2022, you're fighting a proxy war with Russia. And I don't really know why Americans uh, don't ever get uh, sick of this. The other thing I want to point out about the, the rail strike that wasn't is anything that is so vital to the functioning of the nation that it would be it would wreck the economy if it were to stop operating is something that should be nationalized that can't be a private enterprise if the country depends on it I mean, the country doesn't depend on pop stars. It doesn't depend on designer jeans. It doesn't depend on fast food. I mean, these are things that uh, can be owned privately. And if the businesses run well and it's a big hit with the people, rake in the money. And if people say... Uh, this food sucks, or I don't like that dress, or these I don't like the way these jeans are. You might remember the Air Jordan shoes from the early 90s, and the, that was a big novelty item. People were killing each, o- killing each other over them, and everybody had to have them. But if everyone woke up in the morning and said, <laughs> Who cares about Air Jordans? Right. Which is the whims of the market, certainly the, the whims of, of fashion and taste and trends and so forth. Uh, it doesn't mean that the economy would, would grind to a halt. Right. So there's there are multiple major problems that, that stand out with this episode of the rail strike. First of all, as you're absolutely accurate to point out, is is we just see the the lie, the capital L lie that is Joe Slimeball Biden, right wing extremist Biden. Yeah. Right, uh, he is a right wing extremist. Uh, in addition to all of the other things that that he's done, we now know that he's just totally pro business and. Uh, turns his back on the workers 
which among other things makes me think back to the 2016 presidential election and it's this kind of policy from the democrats that gifts that gift wraps yeah. elections mm-hmm. for uh people that the democrats always want to divert our attention to and say they're the extremists in people like donald trump who is definitely an, an extremist but if you really don't want someone like uh trump to be president again you might want to try to understand what led to him being president and the abandonment of the working class is certainly uh one of the major factors, if not, uh, I, I would say in the 2016 election, that that was the factor, because in 2016, uh, you were dealing with the, the long-term effects of the uh, austerity measures following the 2008 economic collapse, in which the Obamacon and his vice president, Joe Biden, decided not to prosecute uh, the banks after the George W. Bush uh, presidency had uh, bailed the banks out uh, with the $700 billion uh, bailout. And so therein, Obama was a collaborator with the Republicans in really entrenching this uh, fixed, calcified economy where the rich stay rich, and it's not supposed to be that way. Uh, anybody in a real free market system, anybody can get rich and anybody can get poor. And just because you're rich today uh, doesn't mean you can't be poor tomorrow and vice versa. And when you never see that situation change, you're not dealing with a legit, dynamic, free market economy. Right. But in the first place, just to finish the, the point, the, the, uh, these rail companies should be nationalized. That They shouldn't be there for raking in profits the way a successful donut shop right, right, right. does. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Biden's a complete joke. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean that's a good point, and and just on your point about the bad quote strategy, uh, it's not bad for them. I mean they knew they had there was it was coming to a crisis. Uh, when was that? A few months ago, and they had September, this September, and they had uh, the the White House negotiated uh, through the uh, Department of Labor or whatever the overseeing body for the rail uh, labor. Um, it's not coming to my mind right now, but, um, yeah, so the, uh, <clears throat> they negotiated this, uh, cooling off period, which it was probably automatic, but the, the great thing about it, of course, it was the end of this cooling off period was after the election, right? So they wouldn't, uh, so then, you know, of course they had this plan all along that they were going to push for you know, Congress to force the workers back to work. Uh, with the um, contract that basically they were rejecting, you know, only um, eight or whatever it was, eight out of twelve uh, accepted it. 
accepted it, so it was not ratified, and they were going to have to negotiate, and uh, and it was just cut totally short. They didn't even, <laughs> you know, they right. did. I think maybe what you meant to say was that the cooling off period happened prior to the right. election. Yeah, right? yeah. They, yeah. negotiated something pretending mm-hmm. to actually get it settled mm-hmm. leading up to November mm-hmm. so that that wasn't going to be right. a big uh, mm-hmm. rancor mm-hmm. knowing all along we'll just pretend like this has been taken care of then after the election then we'll stick it to them mm-hmm. so again self-serving government rather than government actually working in the interest uh, of, of the people yeah, and and to your point of the nationalization, I think that's a great idea. I mean, really, uh, I mean, much of the problem is the financialization, the corporatization of the rail system. It's held profiteering. within a, profiteering. It's basically monopolies. There's just like uh, whatever it is, five different that's a, major that's companies. That's another good point. Like it's it's the worst of everything. It's something that the nation does depend on. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. rather than it just be nationalized. And, and operate it as something that's you know vital to the interests and security of the nation. It's privatized for profit, but at the same time, there's no competition. I mean, mm-hmm. how can you have a competition for railways? There aren't multiple uh, American continents. <laughs> well, right. we'll build a better rail system yeah. on this other America over here. Like, there's, there can only be one rail system, right? You can't put it's like the interstates. Mm-hmm. We'll build a better interstate, and we'll compete with I sixty five. Try our interstate. And really, since they these companies don't really compete, really because they own their own lines, right? And uh, they go to certain areas, and there's only usually one major line that goes to certain areas. They've, uh, you know, it's all kind of based on area. Even though these companies now are so big that they've basically control big regions uh so they're within those regions there is no real competition right uh you know uh if you're gonna uh, run your train um i don't even know if they allow other trains to run on their lines right so i mean right and of of course the pathetic uh, passenger rail service in this country outside of the northeast corridor uh it's all owned by these major rail companies and uh so you're at the whim you're second on the list of their uh freight and etc uh uh, services so that of course everywhere else in the country the delays are just unbelievable because you're competing you're competing (laughs) well you're not even competing you're just second tier uh to the whims of whatever's running on the lines and you'll get there whenever they're done sending their stuff down the lines and or whatnot so uh yeah, uh, the there's those is, messes, and I just wanted to quickly illustrate how fucked up it is, is that there were half a million, more than half a million rail workers in 1980, and now there's 115,000. Uh, so it's been cut back that much. Um, of course, rail hasn't been, it's been cut back some in, in uh, like, branches and remote areas, but it's definitely so fewer not. fewer people are doing more work and making yeah, less. Yeah, and they're having longer trains, and they're more dangerous, and all kinds of dangerous for people and dangerous for the public. And, um, right, but you can't criticize yeah. the transportation secretary for not regulating this right. because he's gay. <laughs> yeah. And so you, that makes you homophobic. Yeah. yeah it's so, just like you can't attribute what happened in 2016 to anything other than misogyny. 
Right, right. Or or being a Russian asset. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, one of the, one of the two and that's all you can all you can think. So yeah, I don't know um yeah, we kept the Russians at bay uh taking over this rail service with the, these communists who want their sick leave. I mean, it's just such a joke. I mean, this is a vital uh important job to have and they don't even and dangerous um um much more likely to be injured or killed on the job than most jobs. Uh, and uh, it also but, makes me think about the uh, 2020, especially uh, not that the pandemic is at all over, but it was really the those types of workers. Yeah, right. The, the so-called workers. essential workers. Yeah, right. The the the, the rail workers, mm-hmm. the truck drivers. Yeah, the uh, the people who worked in the meat packing plants, mm-hmm. the grocery stores. Those are the people that kept us alive, yeah. and many of them made the ultimate sacrifice because mm-hmm. they had to be working in closed-in uh, conditions, close to other people, and because many of them aren't uh, affluent, they they didn't have the option of saying, "I'll do this online." Yeah, right? I mean, right? How yeah, can you yeah, yeah. work on a railway yeah. online? Or and they couldn't just say, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to work." I mean, forget this. Uh, so, to, it makes me think of Joe Manchin and the way that the Democrats have just let Manchin run the, their uh, party the last two years. And uh, certainly, if you want to go with the idea of we're a reward-based system, if anybody has, without question, earned a reward it is the rail workers and the truck drivers and the working class and it's the obsession with just having to beat these people down and and uh, put them in their place in in just such a snobby snooty way uh that's alienated uh a significant dem- demographic and and i think that the the uh, leaning of the working class toward the Republican Party is is a is a big reason why the Republican Party uh, remains uh, viable and I think still uh, dominant when it comes to to policy and the kind of uh, thinking that 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 drives decision making uh, in Washington D.C. Yeah, I mean it's um, uh, well. What I want to see is now the wildcat strikes, or you know some kind of action. I'm, I'm hoping this will happen. I mean, maybe the maybe they'll wait till after Christmas so uh, the people's uh, Christmas tree isn't uh, uh, right. Devoid and, and of what, presents, what but really is m- maybe they shouldn't they wait. You know, maybe they, they should go collapsed. crazy right right away and really show them you know what they can do right um uh, i I think that would be a reasonable personally reasonable thing uh you know just uh on their own go ahead and strike anyway i mean fuck are they gonna like yeah i think it's in like the military end to ride the trains that'll be funny uh, you know 
because it is skilled labor. I, mean, I have no idea <laughs> yeah. how to right. run a train. Yeah. I don't know yeah. how to make one. I don't know how to maintain it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I've watched some old westerns where. Are you are, are you thinking about being a scab, David? The... Don't be a scab. Don't get in there and learn how to be <laughs> ride the rails there, Dave. That's just not cool. Uh, you're on to me. <laughs> oh. But the way I look at it, and, and I know that there was uh, some act passed, I think, in the early 20th century that, that does give Congress the right to uh, force certain kinds of, of uh, workers to work. But that nonetheless didn't mean that it had to be invoked. And so as far as I'm concerned, you can add to the list of the historic accomplishments under the Biden administration the repeal of the Emancipation Proclamation, <laughs> because this is forced labor, and it's it's the government forcing the labor, right? It's not market conditions like you can quit your job, but now you're going to run out of money, right? So. Now you don't have a place to live, and pretty soon you're not going to be able to eat. So if you're fine with that, then it doesn't matter. Right? That's how the free market incentivizes people to work. So if you think, hmm, I don't know that I really want to be homeless and starve to death, so I'll get a job or I'll just keep my job. That's the way that people stay employed in a in a free system of course well see your option your options in this situation dave is you can just quit your 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 rail job and you become a hobo and ride the rails then see right right you're free man you're free you could do that you could hitchhike (laughs) man you could just go everywhere thumbs up man i'm going to california go to those cool camps they got behind but this is (laughs) non-consensual labor Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's that we enter into an agreement that I agreed to work for you because the conditions in which I'm going to be working are agreeable to me. Right. Not to you and only to you. Well, this is what I think is fair. This is what I want. You, the other person, don't have any say in in, in the matter. Uh but the example I gave is really the underbelly of the free market system that really the, the best way for the free market system to work is that I'm incentivized to work because I can actually do something that I want to be doing. I can use my talents, my passions. That's what my work is. And since it's a free system, it's flexible and open and dynamic. And so I can work with and work for people who actually value the, the skills and the, and the passion that I have. Uh, it doesn't have to be simply that uh, I, I have to do this because I say so because I don't want to be homeless and starve to death. But certainly when the government steps in and says the law is you have to work and you have to work under these conditions, that is slavery. 
Now, it's not the type of slavery that comes to mind. Well, the wage slavery, that is the paradigm of wage slavery, that you are right, you're renting, you're renting, renting out your time instead of just being totally subjugated. There is some consent in that, you know, you can uh, <clears throat> uh, choose not to rent uh, out your time, but if you don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're free free to starve. You're free to go on the rails and be free hobo. Right, but in this case, that the, they're not even they they can't even do that. <laughs> and and one of the things that was mentioned in a, a summary of of a number of the national articles that were written in response to how this was handled, and it's I don't know if you've got a chance to take a look at that, but of course, and it's sickeningly so. It's really 50-50, like for every major uh, newspaper like the Washington Post that called out Biden and said, you just screwed the workers over. Immediately, there's the counter saying this had to be done and uh, eight out of 12 had already agreed. And since the majority had agreed, these other people were uh, undermining the great American uh, production machine. And, and all of that, there, of course, couldn't be a consensus that it's it's this was a, a bad move politically and it was just uh, wrong and, and oppressive, clearly just blatantly favoring uh, the wealthy once again, just like the Obamacon did when it decided not to prosecute the bankers back in 2008. Uh, and I, I can't believe honestly, that nobody has made a connection between that decision not to prosecute the bankers in, in 2008 and 14 years later, we see the vice president in that administration, who's now the president, taking the same mentality. And how many times do you have to see the same pattern in place before uh, you would start to realize that that is all that's motivating these people, is to keep everything exactly the way that it is to look out for the interests of the wealthy and only for the interests of the wealthy and to use the power of the government to keep the rich propped up, which is completely the opposite of the law-law land that Americans live in when people think about our economy, that they're rich because they're just so hardworking and really smart and motivated and they don't do drugs. Uh, and so that's why they have all the money and other people sit around and they're not ambitious. And uh, that's why they uh, that's why they aren't rich. Yeah, um, uh, Dave, the latest um, Supreme Court seems to set to it seems set to back web designer opposed to same sex marriage. More good news from the Supreme Court. We're going to get those family values nationwide, David. Family values like working as on the railroad. Working on the railroad. Not being able to web design uh, weddings for same-sex marriages. You know, these are important things to... <clears throat> To keep our families together. Right, because that's their First Amendment. Um, <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you're basically, you're a groomer if you're a homosexual or talks about um, uh, any type of um, 
same sex um, issue uh, or enjoy uh, <laughs> enjoy a, a night out where there's uh, some people uh, 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 dressed in the improper clothing, the wrong gender. So um, you know, it's good that we have people out there um, mowing them down. You know. And this reminds me of the of the case of the cake maker a few years ago. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I think that was also out of Colorado. And the guy's making he makes cakes, makes cakes for weddings. Mm-hmm. Gay couple comes and wants him to to make a cake, a wedding cake for them. He's like, oh, I can't do this. This goes against my beliefs. <laughs> and and so. I see this as basically that that same kind of argument. And in the first place, I just don't buy anyone who says that they are that religious and that their life is just driven by these core Christian values, but they haven't devoted their life to the church. I mean, which one is it? It's like, really, you're a business person. And the, the problem, if you side with the, I guess you would, and you would call this these people the, the defendants, right? Like the people, the plaintiffs are the ones that are saying, you have wronged me by not baking my cake. Or in, in this case, the it's it's a woman and she, she's not a, she doesn't make cakes, but she uh, she's a photographer or she does web graphics. Yeah, yeah. And Web graphics. She doesn't want to she doesn't want to express a message that's counter to her uh beliefs. And so right away I think, well you sure picked the wrong <laughs> thing to do for a living, right? right? Like I'll design websites and decorations for okay, and but it's so if you're going to call yourself an artist, then you can just send out whatever message that you want to. But if you're a uh, a person for hire then you're by you're voluntarily relinquishing that autonomy right because it isn't i'm an artist what i'm going to paint today is what i want to paint instead i'm a commercial painter for hire and somebody comes and says would you paint a mural of uh young people playing little league baseball sure uh would you paint a mural of uh, the marching band as they go down main street during the parade sure um would you uh paint the swimming pool would you paint the lake and the and the sailboats sure why am i doing this because it's my own personal freedom of speech and this is what i want to express no, because I'm a business person, I'm a commercial enterprise, and people pay me to paint what they are asking me to paint. So then these people come in and they say, will you paint a picture of these gay people getting married or do a, uh, a web page for this gay wedding? No, I won't. It goes against my beliefs. So now that means not just you. But any business person can deny any service that they offer to the public to anyone they don't like for 
any reason. Like the fact that you're a Christian and this goes against your beliefs doesn't make that one reason or defense above any other reason that anyone could have for denying anyone any kind of service. Whether it's, I'm not going to design this web page for you. I'm not going to bake a cake for you. I'm not going to paint a mural for you. It could be, I'm not going to deliver uh, food to you. I'm not going to serve you. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to give you health care. Um. Right. I'm not going to give you health care because I think you're bad. And, of course, there is the exemption, religious exemption for, uh, like, the um, Christian scientists, um, uh, et cetera, uh, who, for whatever reason— They don't reasons, have to eat fetus heads? <laughs> yeah. 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 I, everybody else is forced to eat them. You have to be eat them, too. I mean, come on. That's just not fair. Well, we know the stuff is in our food so that they can uh, track our stem cells. <laughs> I, I didn't hear about this theory, David. Tell us more. <laughs> well, they've been they've been uh, uh, they've been putting uh, traces of uh, of stem cell uh, parts, uh, fresh baby parts, in our food and our drinking water. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then they can use artificial intelligence to see what effects that has on our uh, biochemistry. Mm. Right. And they can better learn how to control us. Yeah. OK. Um, so, yeah, I'm <clears throat> I'm with you, man. So, yeah, this is getting clearer and clearer for me. Um, I need to make sure that it's all done in our best <laughs> interest is it's to stop Alzheimer's. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, these are extra fetuses. They're just laying around. Are we just supposed to just throw them away? No. I mean, they need to be ground up. Uh, what's the best way to take them, David? I've got to have a super brain. I want to... <laughs> what's the best way to... In- is it best to just in- to shoot up? Brain so I can be super smart and replace all the uh-huh. brain so- cells that I've burned. Yeah. <laughs> Smoking my super strong. <laughs> yeah, DHC. you got brain damage from the weed, man. You get it. <laughs> Replace it with. Yeah, it reminds me of that that South Park episode where it was. Um, the guy who, uh, who was uh, uh, saws his arm off. Not, so get a no, card. no. Uh, who played Superman? Um, Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves and <laughs> and uh, oh no, <laughs> yeah. So and and Christopher Reeves is is like he he takes a fetus out like an almost born fetus, you know, and he cracks it open like <laughs> you know like you know like a crawfish and uh, sucks out the <laughs> you know the brain stem uh, out of the back of the head, <laughs> and he would like be able to walk then. <laughs> So, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, this works. I mean, come on, uh, this isn't a joke. This is this is important. Um, uh, you know, we've got to we got to make sh- sure people are vital. Um, yeah. So this is uh, yeah. It's, it's a conundrum because you you know think being a Christian, uh, you wouldn't want that. You know, uh, but you gotta gotta have those fetuses. So yeah, speaking of um, 
let's talk a little bit about COVID. Speaking about death and destruction, um, it seems like that China, uh, and of course this has nothing to do with any coverage or anything that's been said from the United States uh, being against uh, the policy, but the it seems like that they're going to shift away from the no COVID policy in China uh, and begin opening up to some degree uh, what uh, how that's going to um, happen. It's yet yet to find out, uh, but I <clears throat> I can guarantee it's going to be with much more um, uh, consideration and uh, um, uh, of the people than anything that's happened in the U.S. is going to happen in the U.S. Right. I mean, I'm sure what they'll do is um, test various opening up strategies uh, to, you know, um, in in regional or um, metropolitan, for instance, area. It'll be systematic and yeah. thoughtful. Thoughtful, and they'll and see they what happens and maybe have to withdraw if it doesn't look like it's going well. Um, you know, it's not going to be like, you know, free for all U.S., you know, our our great policy, you know, our just amazing policy that we've got now, which is no policy. You know, we have right, no co- we have non-COVID poli- no, uh, policy. They have no COVID policy. We have no policy for COVID, right? Um, and uh, they, they yeah. have zero, zero COVID. <laughs> uh, we have uh, zero policy, right. zero COVID policy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's going up, uh, the numbers are going up now. It, it still hasn't spiked yet. So, Hey, you know, we can't say but for it's sure. obviously trending that way. Yeah. I mean, the it, numbers are going, they're beginning to go up significantly mm-hmm. right at the time that you would expect in anticipation of by say in a, in a month, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. With the new year we'll start to see uh, that, that spike in Los Angeles County is already considering bringing back a mask mandate. Uh, Los Angeles. Yes. Oh, interesting. So it's really spiked there. Yes. I mean, it's uh, I mean, nationally uh, hospitalizations uh, for COVID uh, have gone up significantly since right around uh, the Thanksgiving mm-hmm. holiday. Um, looking at the numbers, Puerto Rico's top 44, 100,000. New York's next 35 for 100,000. This is up 50% in two weeks. So um, these places, it's gone up. It's gone down a little bit. New Mexico, which is next. Nebraska up 71%. Uh, Arizona up 21%. New Jersey up 32%. Illinois up 39%. North Dakota up 35%. Utah up Fifty-eight mm, percent. You know, it's it's interesting where it is. It seems to not be in the south uh, yet, or you know, I guess it'll be waving in these places first. Uh, yeah, then Wisconsin, California, South Dakota, Connecticut. Um, yeah, so just about everybody's going up. So there's definitely that swing trend. Now there, it's, a spike hasn't occurred, but I would guess that there's. Um, a sort of uh, it'll fold in itself if it's spreading 
rapidly like this, then it, it'll just keep blowing up because when you have 30% that keeps compiling, right, that 30% gets bigger and bigger, quicker and quicker. What do they call that? The algorithmic exponential exponential there. Thank you. Uh, uh, exponential growth will occur if this keeps going for very long, which, you know, I can see now that it's pretty obvious this will uh, occur because um, they could s nip it in the bud, right, by doing some – they're going to have to be putting on the masks just about all these places, I would think, not just Los Angeles County, right, <laughs> you know. And if, What's it's really pathetic about America is that the everyone, all of the epidemiologists and the public figures, the talking heads are all saying that we, ha we now have the tools uh, to fight it. Yeah. So – we shouldn't have anything to be concerned about. In addition to the fact that everybody should be getting their their booster and getting up to date on being vaccinated, certainly wearing masks in any public place, mm -hmm. avoiding large crowds indoors, but also the testing and this very simple basic thing of People should be testing themselves regularly, certainly if you start not to feel well, mm -hmm. yeah. you, should, you should take a test, right? Mm -hmm. And then get this, if you test positive, you don't go out. And the fact that we're over two years into this. I mean, in, in December of this year, th that'll be the uh, well beginning that, of, that, of year three of this. But the, 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 there's a problem with this um, idea, David, is that um, COVID is the most um, infectious before you feel bad, right? So it's already kind of, and you know, you're you're, right. you're, you're, yeah. Good I point. Mean, yeah, so um, that's pretty limited. I mean, I guess... If you know that you've been exposed, then, you know, it's more likely that you'll test then, right? And maybe you'll get it in time. And hopefully that if you were exposed or were near somebody that had it, that you would like, then you would definitely stay at home. And I think a lot of people don't right. do that either, right? Uh, when they've been exposed, but then they're like, I, you know, I feel all right. And they go back, you know, two or three days, you know. Around other people, they still haven't felt bad, but they're just getting to the max po point, and th then they feel bad like the next day or the next day, and at that point, they've already infected. You know, who knows how many people? Late. Yeah, they've infected a bunch of other people, and already, and so you're you're sitting there at home. Uh, you've already done your your worst. Um, yeah, and the attitude is just way too lax, and. You know, I don't doubt that when these numbers go through the roof, that um, people are going to start putting the mask on and, and stuff. Uh, very reluctant. oh no, they won't. You you think so? Even when it gets bad, I don't know. I think I think there'll be a, a trend of it won't be like it was in Omicron. Uh, there'll be a trend uh, to a certain extent, and there'll be mandates put back in more than. LA, but again, it'll all be too late, right? It, it should be happening well, right, that's a good right point. now. It should be the, happening the, the, right now, but it's not going to happen right now because everybody's complacent and, and acting don't want to put the thing on anymore. And, 
right? So, which is incredible. That um, I mean, how can people be complacent about something that they were never intense about in the first place? Like, how can you have fatigue <laughs> when you've never been exerting any energy <laughs> to deal with it in the first place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 total apathy. But you made two good points. The problem of you're most infectious before you know you're sick and that you might, and before you would even possibly test positive. Um, and then the, uh, the second point that the time to be implementing uh, mask mandates and taking other preventative measures is before it goes crazy yet once again before you get a surge, before you have community spread. Once the thing has spread, doing all of this uh, is um, just going through the motions, right? It's too little too late. Yeah, and this this trend, the exponential thing is, is going to be happening. And it's, it's interesting how it, um, it's just going to exactly repeat last year, it looks like, because uh, let me look on the little chart What's interesting that you said that because two or three weeks ago, that was the same thing. The numbers that I looked at said, because I was comparing China's deaths to America's Mm -hmm. China's is around 5,300. America is over a million. And then the projected number of dead for America by March 1, uh, 2023 was, I think, 1.4 million. 1,400,000. And so that was going to mean that over the next 90 days, we're going to be averaging uh, about 3,000 deaths a day. I think that that's starting in, in, uh, well, we're, we're in, we're in December, but basically as you're getting toward the end of December into the new year, January and then for the month of February, 3,000 deaths a day. And I don't see any reason why that that wouldn't happen. One of the most alarming numbers is that only 10% of Americans is up to date on their vaccination and booster. And so that's basically the same thing as 90% of your population is unvaccinated because the whole point of getting the boosters and staying up to date Mm. is that it's not enough that you simply once upon a time, say March of 2021, got a a, a shot. That's not enough. We know this, it, it works this way with the flu where you get you get an annual flu shot right around the, the flu season. Why? Because the shot that you got last year, that you got two years ago, five years ago, by itself, that isn't enough. So you have ninety percent of the a population that's under vaccinated, and we know that the uh, the Omicron variants remain highly contagious and to some degree uh, immune evasive regarding the natural immunity. Uh, And and for me, this brings up another problem with uh, America 
that that corresponds to the criticism of of the Chinese, that the the talk about the Chinese policy, and I will say that finally I, I have be, I have begun to read some epidemiologists who are saying that by and large China's policy was right, mm-hmm. right? They have been doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And they, they say that so they can then go on to say, but the problem with what they have been doing is there's no exit strategy. There's no end game. Mm-hmm. And that and that they're they're caught in a dilemma where they have to either in an open ended way maintain this zero covid policy, which is going to cause um, discontent among the Chinese population. Right. So that, that becomes a political problem. Yeah. But if they lift the zero COVID uh, because they really don't have any kind of natural immunity, they have an aging population and they've done a they have done a, a poor job of getting their older people vaccinated. And the vaccine that they have been using isn't as good as the uh, Western vaccines from Pfizer and, and Moderna that they will uh, th- that the. Uh, it will unleash the virus and they'll have uh, massive amounts of infections and deaths, which would, of course, defeat the whole purpose of having done a zero COVID. So that's the American take on the problem with the Chinese. But what I want to know is, what is the in-game strategy that America has? Yeah, right? I yeah. mean... If we're going to say, well, the problem with China is that they don't have an in-game strategy. Well, what is ours? To let everyone <laughs> die? We don't have an in-game strategy. And the real truth to this is that there isn't any in-game strategy available because the virus is still there. And we apparently don't have any means of eradicating it. So... I'm I'm at a loss. Like in game means that you're going to do something. You're you're doing something in the present moment, mm-hmm. so that you'll reach a certain point, and at that point, then you can end the strategy. But whether it's America or China, whether it's uh, the virus is your best friend and the emblem of freedom, so let it do whatever it wants. Or it's zero COVID with China. There's not an in-game strategy to to any approach that I can see. Well, <clears throat> yeah, no, I mean it's uh, the new normal, right? That that's the that's the strategy. Uh, it doesn't have an end at all. It's normal. This is you. You need to accept the new it. abnormal. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and China is seeing that they're um and there's many reasons that they've done it this way it's uh the no child covid policy is not just because they're uh, authoritarian and they just love to like beat down people and and all make them, right make, that was another chance to make, lock everyone down yeah make uh you know all they want to do is uh force you to take tests um, they, they want you to be in your home, starve to death, 
because uh, they just love this kind of stuff, right? Uh, I mean, this this is the Chinese character. I mean, no, the truth is, is that, for instance, they do have per capita a much smaller health system. Uh, they're a very poor country. Um, they may be rising, but they're still very poor. Uh, ICU beds were very low. I mean, one-seventh the number uh, of the U.S., so they pretty much had to do it this way. They had to shut down to make sure that their health system wasn't overwhelmed. Um, now, they've, I mean, looking here, 91% of the population is vaccinated now, so um, I think they're feeling like the vaccination rate is such that they can uh, try out opening up uh, to a certain uh, extent and see what happens. Um, now, this is a measured thing that they're not going to accept no COVID policy is normal. They're not going to accept whatever is normal, but they're going to, you know, see how they can mitigate harm and uh, help their people. Whereas here, it's, uh, oh, we'll do that um, willy nilly and way too late. You know, that's what we're going to do. You know, we're going to weaponize uh, the, the virus. We're going to we're going to obsess on everything from the fabled. Uh, mental health that no one in the country has certainly not school children uh i don't know where that came from <laughs> that before the pandemic americans were these really mentally healthy people and that if you went to school that really boosted your mental health i mean if there was if there's anything i would say definitely was detrimental to my mental health it was going to school in uh, middle school and high school, especially, <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I, that, where people can just get away <laughs> with that uh, broad stroke assumption about schooling and, and, and mental health. And I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only American that found uh, going to school completely and utterly miserable. <laughs> and I've been you know, better off just, uh, I mean, not being around people ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a, a joke, but I'm, I'm, make, I'm making a point. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the way you're you're right. The way in which the 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 China's policy is deliberately represented as this sinister, mean spirited, power hungry approach that has no basis in science doesn't have anything to do with uh, epidemiology, mm. doesn't have anything to do with the uh, pragmatic functioning of a government, which is that you protect and take care of your people, your government. It's, I mean, it's just like if you're a lung, <laughs> right, in a body, you have this function, right, which is to breathe, right, and the government is there it takes care of the people. That's what its function is. And in America, it's just been uh, not only complete negligence, but really Americans have seized upon the virus and the pandemic just as a way to exacerbate tensions and disagreements and conflicts that were already uh, smoldering uh, in, in the society uh, prior to the pandemic. But the Chinese healthcare system, uh, as you described it, uh, is is also what what I've read 
that in some parts of China, and I imagine we're talking about your more affluent urban places like Shanghai and, and Beijing, they actually have pretty good health care. But China is a pretty big country. It's the oldest country in the world. It's the most populated uh, country in the world, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I know India is close, but isn't China like three billion people? There are eight billion people in the world. China's got three eighths of that. Right. It's way more people than America. Mm-hmm. If China had uh, been half assed and uh, reckless the way America had, uh We've already got a million dead. You would have three million. I mean, that's a conservative estimate dead in in China. And I just don't uh, believe in any kind of uh, a culture that says that that's acceptable. And that well, who cares? Yeah, three million people die, but you got to keep your economy running. And that's another thing that doesn't make any sense at all. How can it be good for your economy if this many people are dying? And this many people are getting really, really sick, and your healthcare system is completely overwhelmed and and has collapsed. Well, the the eugenicists might say, "Well, they got the old and the weak. I mean, and the healthy and strong and young are fine." So the codes the Aryan Nazis, (laughs) right? Yeah, that's the whole point of. Yeah, the, never mind the, that today's the Nazi you know, based COVID policy. Tomorrow's, uh, old and old and weak. Yeah, yeah. I would also like to know how that what happens to that thinking when we talk about our precious fetuses that we have to force women to, <laughs> yeah, to pump out. Yeah, to why are we concerned about protecting them but not protecting these other precious, vulnerable living things? Well, all I know is I need more fetus um, stem cell. Um, I've been feeling very foggy recently and, and need a booster straight into my brain stem. All right, man. Well, we'll have to do that uh, before next time. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, drive this uh, train uh, off the cliff. I've got to I've got to re-up my uh, my uh, my. Uh, uh, fetal stem cell uh, in, intake. I'm, I'm running low on brain power here. Uh, for fellow conductor David Vernon Miller, um, this is the the rancorous and defiant David W. Overby, and you've been listening to the Oblivion Podcast.